passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the June edition of The Wellness Policy. My name is Waiting, joined by Jordan Goodman. Jordan, how are you doing? Yes, I'm great. I'm wonderful. I think the question really is, Way, how are you feeling right now? Well, I'm assuming you're asking me that, not just because it's a nice, you know, um, thing to do to a friend, but... Also, because I have recently, less than 24 hours ago, um, received my second shot of my COVID-19 vaccine, and I'm very pleased. I mean, if you couldn't tell by my chipper attitude at the introduction of this show, I just feel great. I mean, honestly, though, uh, outside of like, you know, maybe a bit of a soreness in my arm, I, I really don't feel anything. So, you know, hopefully I don't feel like delayed effects come 24 hours afterwards, but so far so good. Well, you did mention, I don't think it's too much to say publicly, you felt a, a, a bit of fatigue yesterday? Yeah, last night I felt tired and I fell asleep as I was catching up on Loki, which, I mean, if you know my enthusiasm for the show, I mean, might be a bit of a rare occurrence. Is that an indicator of like, you know, uh, vaccine symptoms, falling asleep during an MCU show? Um, but I mean, that could be as much as just actually me being tired, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know the, the, the second dose I got, like I was heavy as fuck for a good day and a half. And that kicked in maybe six or seven hours after the shot. Uh, and then by day three, I was good as new. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting sharing our like symptom, um, experiences, you know, this is what we do now. Yeah. Before it was like, Oh man, like what did you do during the pandemic? How are you spending this time? Now it's like, Oh, what, 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 what did you feel after your second dose? I much prefer this conversation than the other one. I, I tend to agree. Um, it's one of the things in which we all, uh, or at least many of us, uh, are having similar experiences in real time. Yeah. Um, and again, um, you know, we, we kind of talked about it off air yesterday, Jordan and I, but like, Maybe talk a little bit, since this is the wellness policy, like uh, talk about the feeling that you've already had your second dose, as many people in the U.S. have. But you were talking to me about like your feeling when you got that second dose, you know, how maybe in a way it was almost emotional for you. It, it was emotional. I think it was for a handful of reasons. Uh, for one, it, it obviously indicated a sense of uh, an end 
to the the past year plus, uh, which was obviously incredibly anxiety producing and socially isolating, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but but also, it's rare. I mean, before I said that this is one of perhaps the few things in which like there is a general commonality amongst all of us. So for me to go into to Baltimore City, the the convention center there, which essentially was converted to a field house since last March. It was also nice to just feel a part of my community and all the different various members of it. And it felt like an actual community. We were like, you know, in community together, helping one another and and truly felt connected in more meaningful ways. So even from that sense, it was emotional. And and I really appreciated that. Uh, That is often what I've gotten from live music. And I know many people listening to this get a similar feeling from a pro wrestling experience and all of that was gone for the past year plus. So even just a sense of uh, relief, but also feeling connected and supported by my, my community in Baltimore. Like it was all highly emotional for me. You know, as I was, did you get a similar sense? I I did. Um, And as I was getting my shot, I mean, the person who administered it acknowledged to me that like said, she said like, you didn't even flinch. Did you feel it? And, um, yes, I did feel it, but I also like went into it cause I hate needles. I hate like, you know, it's just like you take it and it's just, um, it's such a tiny little like prick that you're, you know, like we really should like, we feel probably worse pain stepping on a, a Lego block, but nonetheless, it's like, you know, being stabbed is like not a pleasant feeling yet. I went into this time, like almost wanting to just fully embrace it, fully feeling this moment. Cause I feel like it'll be a moment that I will remember, you know? Like this whole period is 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 a moment that I think we'll all remember that we'll likely you know tell our future generations when asked it's it's kind of like you know hopefully there's really nothing that eclipses it but I mean thus far in my lifetime in our lifetime I would say probably the biggest thing to to affect us um, and so getting the second dose to me seemed to represent some sort of finality to to it all and as a result I mean you know I'm happy to exchange that little bit of pain for or the tremendous amount of relief that, that I felt, you know, as far as like, uh, feeling emotional, I, I think like for me, this entire thing, the worry that came with it was the worry that I had associated, not necessarily for myself, but for the people around me, you know, my, my fiance, who works directly with COVID patients, my parents who are in their seventies and eighties now, um, who were the most susceptible to it. Um, uh, I think I felt maybe the most elation when they got their vaccines, and for me, it was just like, okay, yeah, great. Finally, let's just get this over with. Yeah, I, I totally relate to that uh, as well. You know, my my brother and and his fiance, soon to be wife, this weekend, uh, both worked on the front lines this pandemic, as I know your fiance had as well. Um, so there was a clear worry for that. And then, of course, you know, my parents uh, who were in Florida, which was an entirely different culture seemingly as it related to this pandemic, uh, but also much of my time in quarantine, uh, most nights was spent with the 96-year-old. So that really uh, helped check me and my daily behaviors uh, because it wasn't about me at that point. Um, so yeah, obviously they were some of the first to get vaccinated. And with, with each uh, person, I guess, becoming more protected um, through this vaccine, uh, things seem to be a bit less um, stressful from moment to moment. Seems to be, you know, pretty good optimism, good news all around as uh, things everywhere are starting to open back up. But uh, 
as we progress um, into the, the show, let's get into our main topic of the day. And this particular episode is not necessarily based around any sort of single book or anything like that. Uh, we will be bringing up examples from a documentary related to the topic. But overall, I think this topic is something that um, is incredibly pervasive in everybody's lives. Uh, if you are a human being that is alive and connected in any sort of way. And that is, of course, social media. Jordan, like, how did we arrive at uh, choosing this topic this week, this month? How did we? I feel like it's one of those topics that is most frequently suggested uh, from listeners of this show. And it's definitely something that's creeped up in our own conversations over the past few months. Um, I think the social dilemma was definitely a water cooler type of docu uh, document uh, when it came out last year. Um, and it is just completely pervasive. I mean, you and I know each other because of this technology. You and I really have only communicated through technology, um, albeit perhaps one time for 20 seconds in the flesh. Um, so I, I think you and I agreed that this is not only a topic that is uh, desirable uh, to for the listeners to have some conversation around, um, but it's just incredibly topical and, uh, you know, it's it is it is almost as if the, the the oxygen and air that we breathe at this point. You know, I would say I I think it's an inter like I've never had a dedicated conversation. I would say like you know dedicating an hour certainly not creating you know doing a podcast dedicated to the topic itself. So I look forward to to maybe navigating it with you. But I think it's an interesting conversation to have for people our age because I you know we were sort of like the first generation to have uh, experienced life without social media and then you know, adolescence with social media. And, you know, now I would still, I would say still pretty like deep in the thick of it all. Um, you know, before we maybe continue, I, I, I do want to say we are here, of course, to talk about maybe some of the positives of social media and obviously some of the negatives of social media. And hopefully by the end of it, we can come up with some sort of, you know, solution that might work for us, or at least some idea of how we can maybe filter the good from the, 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 the repercussions of the bad. But Jordan, you wanted to maybe start off with some of our own personal histories with social media. You, when we were talking uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago, uh, I started reflecting on what was my first uh, interaction or connection to social media. Uh, so for me, it was uh, America Online AOL. And as I said that out loud, I was like, "Huh, fuck!" Like, Waze Canadian? Did he even have that? So I'm curious. Like, did you have that? American Online, America Online was uh, something that we definitely received like the flop. Like I remember when we received floppy disks, not even CD-ROMs for America Online. So it was like it was in our advertising. And because like we watched so much American TV anyway in Canada, I think I would always see ads about it. You know, like when you watch the WWE, uh, WWF, for instance, you know, whatever AOL thing that they had going on. So it was always something I had heard of, but like. We never had the internet at home until maybe like the late 90s. So I don't even think – I think it was something I tried. But the computers were so bad or at least our computers were so bad back then that it was just like – number one, it was confusing as hell to set up. Number two, like the experience was completely unpleasurable. So I actually didn't – like that was not really our gateway to the internet. But it was for you? Yeah, absolutely it was. And – my uncle at the time lived in Philadelphia. He was a bit more uh, tech savvy than, than say my parents. So 
when my brother and I would go visit him on the weekends, like we would spend a significant amount of time on AOL. Um, you mentioned WWF. I mean, that is what I kind of associate a lot of my early experience uh, with AOL. I remember you'd go to the WWF page on AOL and Vince McMahon's voice would welcome you to that page experience, like saying welcome to the WWF on America Online or something like that in his uh, you know, classic Vince McMahon voice. Um, but even the narrative like back then in the in the mid 90s, where like Sonny was the most downloaded person on AOL or on the Internet, whatever language they use, like they really ran with that at the time as as, as a headline that they that they promoted. Um, and, and I guess, you know, this will perhaps uh, eventually like tie in nicely to this broader conversation. But uh, wrestling culture in particular, as many fandoms do, uh, really adopted uh, the internet, especially much earlier on, and, and I'd argue maybe in, in, in deeper ways as well, post-wrestling uh, being a byproduct some 25 years later um, from Vince McMahon welcoming to uh, AOL. Um, but yeah, I, do, I remember even going to Philly and trying to like download uh, ECW TV on a, on a computer, and it would take like three and a half hours and be like awful quality. Um, but yeah, but was, I, I but guess it was worth really, it, wasn't it? By the end of the three hours, of course, of course. And then I realized I could just wait up until like two a.m. and it would come on like Philly TV. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, like that that was my way in. And what was so, I think, I don't know if overwhelming is the right word, um, but like so in, in, exhilarating about something like AOL at that time was uh, twofold: realizing that. I could now connect at scale socially, and I could also connect uh, more in a more targeted or specific way with people with similar interests. So chat rooms was really the way in which it was social media with AOL. So I could go into uh, whether it was uh, a chat room about like alternative rock music or pro wrestling uh, or whatever it may be. And yeah, I spent like a decent amount of time connecting with strangers like through social media in that way for me i mean i you know i i think when i was like probably i have to say like even as early as maybe like eight or nine like they we always had computer class but like it was it had nothing to do with the internet it was like i don't know oregon trail and like I, kid pics or, or stuff like that and then like we've oh, had kid pics yeah kid pics it's like photoshop kid for kids on mac Huh? It's like it's uh, like a yeah. It was my favorite. I loved it. Like you hit wow. the dynamite and it just explodes the whole thing. No, never heard of it. I just yeah, do graphic yeah. design on Instagram Stories now. Okay. Well, anyway, so like, I, I so my my computer usage was kind of really limited to class, and then eventually we had a computer at home, and you know, like I didn't do much with it besides like type, but I have always found like sitting in front of a computer to be like such a cold experience. You know, like you're just in a room with this like buzzing machine by itself. There was it really wasn't anything fun to do on it. I, I again, I was a Mac guy, so it, I didn't have like, the 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 only game I had was probably like there was like a some sort of like there's a calculator. Like the Mac sucked for games, and I think continues to suck for games. But anyway, it was not at all an enticing experience to sit in a computer room and like do stuff. It was boring. It was business, and I never liked it. I never. I I always hated it. But it wasn't until we got on the internet and 
you know, um, I started to connect with people either through a messenger or at least for, for me, my first step into social media was Asian Avenue. Are you familiar with Asian Avenue? Of course, way I'm familiar with Asian Avenue. Well, I, 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 I feel like you're speaking in jest, but uh, Asian Avenue was huge. And I, I feel like almost every Asian person like my age was on Asian Avenue at some point. But essentially, it was like a Facebook for like the Asian community. And everybody had their own page. Like, it, you know, it was, it was essentially MySpace. Everybody could design their own page with their own shitty background. Ugly, 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 like font. Um, just the most gaudy things that you'd ever see. And the biggest thing on that was this thing called the guest book. And all of a sudden, I guess this was kind of my first step into like, you know, the concept of social collateral because everybody was like, visit my page, sign my guest book, tag my G book was what everybody would always say. And then like we'd marvel at the people with like, uh, you know, 500 tags on their guest book. Wow. Um, And, you know, that I guess sort of became my earliest impression of, of social media, but, you know, doing stuff like that immediately made the computer a whole lot more inviting because I didn't feel like I was just simply in my room by myself with this cold machine. It felt like this was my gateway to my community, you know, people that what year was, what year was that? I want to say like 99, probably like when I was in high school, like 98, 99. Oh, so, Cause when I think of MySpace, I'm thinking more early 2000. So this perhaps predated, predated that. it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are sort of my early escape, uh, you know, memories. But then, of course, like, you know, we all had ICQ. Um, did you like you're a bit younger than me. Did you use ICQ at all? Never heard of it. You've never heard of ICQ? No. What is that? Wow. Honestly, I don't know what I see. I think I, I don't know if ICQ actually stands for anything. I think it was just simply like a way of like cleverly like saying I seek you or something. But it was like it was like mm. a messenger like MSN Messenger, like, you know, similar, except instead of like a screen name, you had a number. Mm. Yeah, I think I only had AIM, Messenger. That's that's all I ever had as far as that. Um, no, never heard of that. That was like a global thing that wasn't I, a just meant I'm guessing for it was more of a Canadians or Asians. Yeah, because how old are you? 35. 35. Okay. I'm, I'm actually, I'm only two years older than you. So I'm kind of surprised you didn't have it. Maybe it was a more of a Canada, Canada thing, I suppose. But, uh, what was, what was kind of like your social media platform of choice then? Uh, in the late nineties, I guess it would have been, uh, after AOL, then it just became, you know, after it was like, I didn't realize AOL was its own thing. And then it's like, oh, wait, you can, you don't need that to access the internet. You can access the internet, uh, you know, through uh, web browser uh, kind of software, but, uh, AIM, AIM, what do you, what did you call it? AIM or AIM? I never used it. So I would call, I would probably call it AOL instant messenger because, um, yeah. So when you say messenger, what are you talking about then? I, I mean, MSN messenger. I use that a lot. Oh, see, I never used that. Yeah. Wow. That felt uncool to me. MSN? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, cool is very subjective, you know. This um, is true. I, I guess, uh, well, look. With, there are bigger differences any... between us than we ever knew. I don't know if we... <laughs> look at this. Yeah, wow. Okay. Wow. Um, I, with any, with this technology, I mean, really it just comes down to the people you want to engage with, like, 
is there a critical mass like choosing one platform over the other? Uh, I did not know people on MSN at the time. Everyone <laughs> was like on AIM. It feels like we're on two sides of the Iron Curtain. And like we're finally meeting up and sharing our, our experiences from like two different universes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, this is very cathartic. Well, we would have never been friends, obviously. We existed in two different platforms. Clearly. You did miss out on that WWF on AOL, though. Like, honestly, yeah. at the time, granted, I was maybe sixth grade, but like that shit was magical. So at the time, you know, like this was before texting, of course, before smartphones. So like the, the only way we could really access, I would say, these sort of online communities would be through sitting, sitting down in front of a computer. And like, what was your consumption like at the time, Jordan? Were you a kid who used too much of it and your parents would always yell at you? Or were you able to, I guess, uh, you know, uh, be, be disciplined with your usage? Uh, I wouldn't say I was like necessarily addicted to it. Um. I, I, I mean, I definitely, I used the computer. I wasn't really into gaming per se. I had this like Beavis and Butthead game that was like pretty fun, but I wasn't, I've never been like a gamer. So I never used the computer for that. Um, I do remember in high school, uh, like messing around with like HTML and just building like GeoCity websites for my bands at the time and things like that. Uh, and then really using, yeah, I guess to connect socially, like after school, uh, many times I would like get on AIM and just see who's on there and like update my away message to like fit with the, the current identity I was playing at that time. Um, so yeah, it, it, it definitely was a fixture in my life, um, but it also wasn't like the, the entirety of my experience where I knew many other kids, especially at that time, where uh, they spent the majority of their time at home on the computer often interacting socially with other people. Would you assess maybe like your, your relationship with, I guess, technology at the time as like one that was beneficial or, or harmful? I mean, it sounds like you were pretty limited with it. I'd say totally beneficial looking back and, and, and thinking back to those experiences. Look, it, it allowed me to explore a lot of my interests, uh, typically music and pro wrestling, which have been themes throughout the entirety of my life. Um, both, in being able to explore just more information, but also to uh, for my own creativity and, and personal expression, uh, and then also to connect socially with people. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, I, yeah, I, I, I'm really trying to look back honestly, and it's hard for me to to think of oh that was really unhealthy behavior that um, interfered with uh, I don't know being able to develop in certain ways. Um, what was your experience like? Well, um, I mean, like you, I would say largely beneficial to start off with, but I definitely think I was a kid that probably spent too much time in front of the computer when I was younger. And, um, ultimately I think looking back, like, you know, before that it was TV, I was probably a kid that watched too much television and, you know, so much so that I ended up working in the industry, but like, um, I would spend too much time, like, you know, on the thing that I was fixated on. And after that, it was like, it was, it was, you know, the internet, it was like, you know, man, curating my, um, iTunes library or my, uh, Mac amp library to make sure all the ID three tags were like, perfect. Like I was that, that nerd. So it was like, Whoa. yeah, it was like, it was like some, you know, I mean, but they were very formative years, but however, I don't think any, any, any issues there are, 
are maybe mm, comparable, I would say, to maybe what current generations might be feeling, you know, like, mm. I suppose rather than, you know, that feeling of like being addicted to that one spot in your room, it's like, this is the thing that is in your pocket accessible at all times. Um, and it's just a really powerful pull of like, hey, like my life now is on this thing. All my friends are on this thing. My own interests are on this thing. Like, why would I have any reason to pay attention to, you know, what my parents have to say at the dinner table or a book? Are you kidding me? A book? <laughs> like, so I am, you know, like, that's kind of what we're maybe here to talk about, too. You know, not just necessarily the benefits of social media, but some of the, um, eh, some of the, 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 the poor, um, I, I suppose, introductions of, of, um, uh, of the technology, and maybe that mm. kind of translates into our conversation about this documentary, The Social Dilemma, Jordan. Uh, what did you think, first of all, about the documentary? So I finished it about an hour ago, so it's very fresh. So my thoughts and impressions, I'm kind of working out for the first time in real time uh, with you here. Um, I, like, I enjoyed it. It was chilling, and it was deeply uncomfortable and unsettling. Um, but I found it to be uh, valuable and interesting and engaging. And I noticed in my own behavior uh, many, many times while watching it over 90 minutes, I grabbed my phone and I opened social media apps and I literally was watching myself, uh, you know, play out these, these behaviors uh, that was being described back to me. It was very fascinating. Same with me. I mean, although for me, it was like a combination of taking notes, but then as I was taking the notes, getting distracted by whatever else and then realizing, oh, 15 minutes have passed since I was, since I paused this film to, to do this thing. It, it, and I would say like, has, you know, the, the film I think is real oddly interesting and wildly fascinating. And I think very important because it touches on the idea, you know, like, I think we're all aware on some level that, Hey, like using this phone, there's some like are using the internet or using the computer. Some element of our activity is being tracked. Some element of our activity is like, you know, being used, I, I suppose, for uh, someone else's gain. Um, this film does a pretty good job of, I think, you know, diluting it and spelling out exactly or at least as, to as much detail as it can get into in about 90 minutes. What exactly is going on? What sort of transaction is taking place when we choose to spend our time uh, on social media? And I would definitely say it's a, the film is a little bit alarmist, like, you know, especially in presentation, some things about it are a bit of a turnoff in like, like the dram dram dramatizations of the family. Fucking the the, Pete, Pete from Mad Men was in this movie. I don't, I don't watch Mad Men, but who's that? Who did he play? That was a great show. Uh, well, uh, Pete Campbell was the character. I don't know the actor's name, uh, but Who did he play here. Uh, oh, uh, he, one of the three guys, they all kind of looked like a, uh, like Tim, Tim and Eric, Tim, um, or that guy on SNL, uh, I think Beck Bennett, uh, they all kind of looked yeah, the yeah, same. Yeah. They were like the three dudes and they were the ones kind of like cosplaying as let's figure out how to get the child's attention back on the phone. And if we do, then it's like, you know, points for us. Those three they were guys. the algorithm. They were the algorithm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, the film basically kind of like tries to, yeah, to me, the dramatizations were, were, were a little too much.
but they were effective in trying to explain to you. Like, th- it just got to me to be a little too after school special. Like, I could definitely see us looking back in 15 years at, like, look at this ridiculous thing. You know, they're trying to, like... The scene, the scene was super intense in the kitchen where they locked away the phones and that girl, like, broke the jar. Yes. I'm sure it, there's some grounded, like, realism in that scene actually occurring. I Have you ever tried to, like, put your phone away for, like... I don't know, an extended period of time as a, like a test of will. Absolutely. So, uh, like the phone for me and the demands and the trappings of the phone for me were certainly, uh, at its peak when I was working at ring of honor, because I'm in addition to having a full-time gig there, uh, I still was working with a therapy practice and I had a band and another podcast um, and my own Beatwell business. So point being, there was a ton of interfacing and, and interacting through the phone. And especially with a job like Ring of Honor, which is essentially 24-7 in, in commitment, it's just email after email after email. And many of them, it's not really pertinent to me, but I at least have to read them and, and kind of be filled in with what's going on in these conversations. So I remember I would often... Uh, at my apartment at the time in Baltimore, I would go on walks and leave the phone. And sometimes it would be 90 minutes where I'm just walking. And when I return back to the phone, I would expect dozens of notifications, uh, many of them, which weren't just, you know, insignificant Facebook notifications of your band page got one view, but like things that I, I needed to attend to. So I remember that lifestyle feeling unhealthy and overwhelming for me. And that is why I started uh, putting it away at periods of time with great intention. And I noticed that as I would go on these walks, I would definitely feel the pull. And I think some of the pull was that fear of missing out. I think some of the pull was, uh, what if I miss something time sensitive? Uh, or it, there's a crisis, you know, even, even, even worse. Um, but it's almost like meditation. Every time, just about every time I've meditated, I find the first few minutes or moments is a bit rocky because it's like you're, you're at all of like the crashing waves on the surface of the ocean. But as long as I'm able to commit to the practice, then after a few minutes or moments, like I start to settle, things start to settle and then it's fine. And, and I definitely noticed that, that once I got over the initial wave of like, gravitational pull back to the phone, then I could simply just readjust to being like who I am connected to nature and connected to community. And like the phone stuff kind of went away. So that was at least my experience. It's so interesting. And it was amazing to get there. Well, Well, you describe the feeling of being away from your phone as an attempt to connect with community. When I think many people Mm -hmm. would argue that being on the phone is their connection to community. So how, how was it? Mm. And I imagine like what you just described, I think would be a struggle for me, would be a struggle for a lot of people. Cause I don't know if, mm, I mean, I would definitely try, but like, I don't think I've been away for, for my phone. Well, I guess when I'm on vacation, like you often just kind of turn it off, but you know, regardless, like, um, why is it that we are so worried about missing, you know, that, that message or that email or that phone call? I think, so this is interesting because, uh, like a lot of comedians, for instance, now adopt 
uh, a, a practice at their shows where phones are locked away. Now, of course, if someone needs to get access to their phone, they can go to the lobby and they can get it. Um, but the phones are taken away. Um, and some, so, so their uh, sets aren't recorded. And exactly. And I know some musicians uh, like a Jack White, uh, I've seen him many times. The times I've seen him, uh, that wasn't required, but he definitely uh, made many uh, comments about the usage of phones. And I think the number one reason that someone else would argue against that point as a consumer is what if there's an emergency? You know, what, what if like something happens to my kids and they're trying to call me, et cetera. Um, and like, I understand that. Uh, but at the same time, we've only been living with cell phones in our pockets for uh, like 15 years, maybe 20 years, um, especially at scale. Uh, most of us did not have this just a couple decades ago. So I, I kind of think, you know, in the history of human existence, like we've all kind of been fine without the phone at, in our pocket at any, at any given moment. Um, but I think that's an easy excuse for people to, to, to use. I really think what's underneath that is the addiction, is this sense of feeling this gravitational pull back to the phone, of feeling like uh, either I don't want to miss the opportunity to document something that I'm experiencing, um, or I don't want to miss the whatever. I mean, like FOMO is an acronym that's part of the lexicon now. Um, and it's not, I, I, I think a, a lot of that is attributed to the ways in which our psychology, our social psychology has like evolved in the, the age of a smartphone. You know, I don't think we would like, we're talking about FOMO prior to this in relationship to like life world experience outside of the home. Mm. But as we, as we learned in the documentary, like this technology is expertly designed and from moment to moment getting more and more effective at creating these conditions within us. At creating FOMO, yeah, capitalizing on FOMO, uh, and it's you know, I, I, and I think we we feel only those feelings when it becomes like accessible to us, like like you mentioned, you know, like or when, when, like we were talking about, our, our computers used to be tied to a physical place; they were not portable, and so going to a concert, not having a computer in your pocket, was not even something that you ever thought about. But because we now have the option it becomes something we constantly think about. You know, we have the choice of being in contact with this one thing at all times um, and to not suddenly not have it, uh, all of a sudden feels like we're giving up something. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time where I started feeling the addiction to social media. This is like 2005. Uh, so when it was on a laptop or desktop uh, and it was MySpace, and MySpace was the greatest tool at the time for being in a band, especially like in an alternative rock band, because much of that culture, the attention of the consumers and fans, uh, they were on MySpace. And uh, I remember like desperately wanting to get to a computer. Um, you know, I'd, I'd go to a, a, an ex's like house. And the first thing I'd want to do is, hey, can I log into my MySpace and start checking the DMs for my band? Because that was where all the action was in, in the growth and promotion of that band. And I remember her like getting pissed about that and feeling, and rightly so, feeling like, huh, like what's the priority here? 
Now we all carry that in our pockets at all time if we choose to do so. Um, so, you know, you were asking about earlier if I felt this kind of technology had maybe adverse effects when I was younger. Uh, I don't think prior to that, but, but really when I started using it as a tool uh, for growing my band in, in the mid-2000s, that's when I started gaining some self-awareness of maybe I should be checking my motivations and my behaviors. Kevin in the chat room just brought up the anxiety about not being in a friend's top eight. And, you know, looking back, so I never use MySpace personally, but I mean, a gimmick like really? that. Really? No, hold no. on, hold on. Yeah. So you you were doing this, uh, the... I, I don't Asian know, Avenue? The X... The Asian Avenue, yeah. and you were doing the MSN, yeah. and the other three-letter thing. ICQ. Um, ICQ, of course, ICQ. Mm-hmm. You never did MySpace? No, never. Were you, like, like live journaling instead? I did have a, <laughs> I did have a journal for, for a brief period, but it was more uh, of I never a pri- did that, private but... thing. But it wasn't, yeah, I never used it as a means of, like, social connection. I think at that point, like, it was, like, between maybe... Uh, you know, the years of like just being on private messages, uh, private messaging systems, and then Facebook eventually came around. But I, I was never a MySpace guy. But the gimmick of a top eight, you know, is something that, yeah, we can recognize really right now as what it is, a gimmick. It's a, it's a way for people to provide social value to each other, um, to maybe provide social proof to, to other people. And another way of i guess trying to make us want to use this device a bit more and i think the documentary does a good job of like maybe kind of exposing you know various things that are all designed to make us want to use it more not unlike you know um the 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 feeling you get from walking into a casino and playing on a slot machine um mm-hmm. it is interesting though like you know things like the like button or like, you know, uh, Instagram likes or follower accounts. Um, I mean, I would say these are all kind of like, you know, similar types of gimmicks. But as far as like the like button goes, you have like in the documentary, one of the creators of the like button who actually says, you know, it started off as a way of thinking that they would be able to spread positivity using the Internet, using Facebook. Um, so maybe that just kind of goes to show that, you know, when these things start, I mean, they don't start necessarily with kind of nefarious intent. They maybe often start with, you know, like a desire to bring us closer together, to be able to, you know, reconnect with old old friends, to be able to make our lives easier. But the documentary, I would say, argues that because these things have maybe been uh, gone unregulated uh, and because they are ultimately fueled by economics, mm, they have kind of like evolved into like beyond what we are able to control and have turned to maybe far more exploitive um, uses of technology than we had anticipated. Yeah. There's, I think a lot of points that can be responded to there, but what kind of jumps out right now, um, you just mentioned it being unregulated. I mean, technology and the progression of technology uh, moves exponentially fast. I mean, they made the point that it's like as human beings, like our DNA, our like bio- biology is not going to really change that much over time. Um, but technology obviously is at an exponential rate. And I think one of the big issues is that 
I, I can speak at least for, for my country in the States, uh, most of our legislators are old, relatively. And much of what needs legislation and checks and balances uh, is, is, is still nascent. I mean, we're still in a childhood or perhaps like teenage phase of this technology, um, especially with it being in our pockets. It's been about 10 years. And then and, and they, they, they shared a stat of like exponential uh, increase in, in self-harm and suicide in children, uh, kind of correlating with the, uh, the, the new decade around 2010 when uh, the, the Internet or social media essentially became a mobile platform. That, that we were ultimately tethered to uh, at, at, in most times. Um, our legislators are so ignorant to what this is, and, and, and many in the film were making the, the argument that uh, those you know, leading these social media companies are also saying that we can be the solution to it as well. And like, that's not how it works. That's not how other industries uh, typically or should work. Um, when it comes to check and checks and balances, um, but I think it's it's the 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 whole space is is so beyond those in elected uh, positions to like how do you regulate something that you don't understand? Completely, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 I remember a few years ago, you have uh, you know Dorsey and Zuckerberg, uh, you know, in in front of Congress and. Uh, much of what I saw was just a mockery because uh, these guys, uh, it, it was like trying to explain like algebra, like to a bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's certainly one of the arguments of, of, of the documentary. It's that we need more awareness and more regulation up top from people who understand what exactly is going on. Um, and I just, you know, maybe that kind of calls into question some of the fundamental issues with the political systems that exist right now to begin with. Cause um, this is certainly the biggest one, but there are like many issues that probably affect young people that, um, you know, aren't really being addressed by maybe, you know, the people that are actually in control. But I will say, even though I don't think that is going to be changing anytime soon, or at least not without a great deal of overhaul, what actions do you think that, uh, maybe you or I can take right now. Uh, and I, I think that was at least part of the aim of the, the documentary is to simply raise awareness about what is going on, about the manipulation that exists out there. Um, you know, it's a recognition that this is a part of our lives, but it's not coming for free. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, nothing is for free. So uh, education, look, I, for the past 10 years with, uh, my uh, group drumming empowerment, let's say, uh, business, uh, I've facilitated many programs with children in schools, camps, etc. And the number one thing that uh, a program director or a, 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 a PTA uh, member or so- someone within you know, the, the adults in that community would ask me to share about is like the Internet. And social media, and they're essentially asking me to kind of shoehorn that one specific message into my, uh, in, into my, uh, in whatever I was, I was sharing um, on that particular day in the programming. Um, like, it, it's, 
it, 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 I don't know. I, I've just felt the sense of older people, especially older than you and I, um, that did not kind of grow up with this kind of technology. Uh, it, it's almost like they feel like they don't know what to do and it's gotten like way ahead of them. Um, yeah. So education. Sense, really? Yeah. And, and I almost get the sense, Jordan, it's like, we are going to have to solve this one for ourselves and we can't necessarily rely on, you know, our parents or, you know, people older than us to try to like solve it for us. Um, and that maybe leads, you know, me to want to ask you if like you have any, like you seem to be somebody who's uh, at least aware of maybe your, your, your social media consumption, but um, have you taken any steps towards, I guess, you know, limiting it or at least using it to your advantage rather than disadvantage? Um, so especially during this pandemic, like Instagram was the big one for me. And like Instagram was one of the most valuable things in my life, especially during this pandemic where uh, I spent most of my time living alone. Uh, and, it'll, you know, I, I did a couple different shows uh, weekly on Instagram uh, for example. And like that gave me a sense of like purpose, to be honest, it gave me a social connectedness, but it gave me an opportunity to be creative, uh, etc. Et and one of the biggest things I did was just turn off the notifications because I saw the trappings of that. I felt the trappings of that, you know, and, uh, look, I would like to think that I am, uh, perhaps more self-aware than maybe the average person. I mean, like I'm, you know, chose to be a psychology major and a psychotherapist. Like it's been interesting and engaging for me to like ask why as it relates to like our behaviors and our emotions and, and just how life works as human beings. And I spend a lot of my time simply observing my own experience, but a lot of what I experience are the fucking trappings of this technology. Like I know that many times I'll get a notification and then that leads me down a rabbit hole. And 30 minutes later, like I don't feel better for it. Um, but certainly, uh, turning notifications off, uh, was a very big thing for me. Um, because then I'm not getting that, that constant pool. And then there's FOMO of like, Oh, I see the notification. Well, like it's hard to not click on that at that point. Um, so I, I'd say that's one of the biggest things for me. Um, in addition to just like trying to put the phone away at times. When was the last time you experienced boredom, Jordan? That's a great question way. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know, but at the same time, like I do feel like when I'm on my phone and in like a lower state of consciousness, let's say, and I'm just scrolling from a thing to thing to thing, like there's a part of me that is obviously incredibly stimulated because the technology is winning out and it's capturing my attention. The game for them is attention. But in a similar, like it's also kind of boring. Like it's, there's a part of me that is incredibly stimulated, obviously, but perhaps maybe in a in a more like spiritual or soulful or meaningful like level of who I am, like it's not that interesting. Like it's kind of boring. But what does boring even mean? 
Uh, that's another good question. Yeah, I only ask because I think I I don't remember the last time I've actually felt boredom because you know like this thing provides just endless um maybe uh activity endless distraction you know so much so that i never like sit down and just and just even say to myself man i'm bored however like i also don't necessarily remember a time when i feel so engaged yet by the end of it feel kind of relatively unfulfilled like if i were to spend my entire evening scrolling through my phone I'll be very engaged for that entire evening. I might even stay up past, you know, when I'm supposed to go go to sleep. But by the end of it, the next day, I'll be like, I totally wasted my day. You know, obviously, it mm-hmm. depends on what you're doing. Um, but I think often mm, being aware of at least what you're doing is really important, you know. And I think that's what what is important about the documentary is that it gives us at least a level of awareness of what, again, the transaction that is going on. We might be, you know, using this thing to kind of catch up with our friends or like follow cat videos or whatever. But, you know, that the transaction is is our time. Um, I think doing what you can to maybe cultivate your experience with social media in a more mindful way is helpful. I've listened to like, uh, you know, um, Tristan Harris, the person who's in this documentary. He's like appeared on other podcasts and he's given out some tips. I believe one of the tips he gave was like, hmm making your phone grayscale using the accessibility features because color is actually can be a device used to you know make these things more attractive same reason why you go to to a casino it's all just like bright lights right um grayscaling your phone is at least maybe one solution that might work for you to maybe combat have you tried that i have tried that uh it makes that stick well, it makes watching videos incredibly difficult, so I ultimately gave up on it. But for a time, uh, it was it was an interesting thing, and I didn't stick with it. But it might work for other people. Like, um, what I do continue to use is throwing all like the most kind of like offending, useless, what I would deem useless apps off of my front page and into like a folder where it, it can't be found, essentially. And if I have to access the app physically typing it into the search bar so that if I want to use Twitter, I'm not simply mindlessly clicking on Twitter. I am typing in the word Twitter to be able to tell myself to use it. Um, again, like all this stuff eventually just kind of like works as much, you know, it won't work the same for everybody. But um, another thing that, you know, they do recommend at the end of this documentary is leaving devices out of the bedroom or the kitchen um, you're regulating or prohibiting phone use for children. That's another topic that I'm sure we can perhaps get into. But yeah, I'm very curious to know if anybody in the chat room has any sort of uh, advice or tips that they use to kind of manage their own time. But in the end, I think we were talking about simply being aware of the time that you're putting into it rather than just kind of mindlessly drifting. Really, awareness is the game. That's why a practice like meditation uh, is so foundational to what I provide as a service to the many people that, that I, I work with and serve over the years. Like awareness is the key. I, I, I have seen it in my own experience in like, you know, counseling and, and therapy and coaching and other practices. I see it in my clients that, that I coach and counsel. Like people will be describing something, their behaviors, their relationships, et cetera, and it's like they know it's not 
helpful for them. They know at a deep level, it's not really like what's in their best interest or what they really even want. But yet we still continue to stay stuck in certain patterns. And that's no different than our experience with social media. And really the key, if we want to change anything like this, is simply developing more consciousness, developing more awareness, shining light onto the darkness within ourselves, because it's mostly the unconscious stuff that's going to play out. In, in, in the movie, The Social Dilemma, uh, they shared that essentially the technologists are using our unconscious against us to get the results that they desire. So in order for us to really uh, combat this, we need to bring more consciousness and awareness uh, to our own experience within ourselves. Like that's the whole game. And it's not easy, certainly. Um, and it's not quick. Like this isn't a quick fix. Um, oftentimes at the end of sessions, clients are like, what can I do? Like, what's the assignment? What can I do to just like make the thing like better? And what I have to say, and I learned this from my own many years of uh, experience uh, as, a, as a therapy client, by simply bringing more awareness to what is going on within yourself, that is doing the work. It's kind mm -hmm. of like shaking up the snow globe and then you just got, like, that's the process, that's the work. And then each time it settles, then like you're a little bit closer to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. But it's a process and it's hard and it takes a lot of commitment and consistency. You have to want it. So, so in that sense, you know, simply, or I don't want to say simply, but, you know, at least using awareness to maybe supplement our usage of, of, of technology, can somebody choose to just use the time to mindfully drift off and become sucked into, you know, like, I don't know, whatever Instagram um, follows that you do? Like if my choice is to just be sucked in to the machine. Is there a way to mindfully do that as a form of relaxation? I think so. Look, a lot of this comes down to just self-esteem. You know, how much do you love yourself? Uh, or how much do you crave or need or desire external validation? If you are someone that requires external validation in the form of follows or likes or positive comments well, then you're going to be much, much more susceptible to using this technology in ways in which you lose control of it because your need is out of your control. Literally, it is somewhere external. So I think the more that we have our own self-awareness matched with self-love or compassion or, or self-worth, etc., then we can start using this technology in ways in which we are not as dependent on social outcomes. We uh, invite anybody in the Zoom room who has anything to say about the topic, maybe their own history with social media, their own usage of social media to chime in right now. Um, you know, I, one of the, my favorite comparisons in the documentary was when Tristan compared the, the advent of the bicycle to the advent of social media and how he said, nobody ever criticized bicycles for being a part of our society when they were developed because they are a tool, but you know, social media, maybe perhaps it was intended as being a tool. It is, however, just, it seems to have turned into something that's bigger than that. In fact, rather than us using social media, social media has started to use us as 
you know, um, a, a source of commerce. So I think for me, the biggest takeaway of coming out of this whole discussion is what are the ways that I can use this stuff as a tool again? What, how can I use it to my advantage rather than having it use me? So we look to see if anybody in the post wrestling cafe has anything to say about all of this that's going on. And let's start off with Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing? Welcome to the wall. Good way. And, uh, Hello, Jordan. This is actually my first time coming to a, a wellness policy live because usually I'm I've got some work commitment or something to do. So um, I picked a really good one because this has been fascinating. I really appreciate all this conversation. And a couple things uh, came up to me as you guys were were speaking. The first one was I actually met uh, my wife through AIM. Um, sort of. We uh, we went to college together, and um, I didn't know her from campus, and uh, it was wanting to get to know her and not knowing like how to you know do that gracefully in person so one day I decided to like you know I went on her Facebook profile and she still had her aim screen name like listed in her Facebook profile so I sent her a message uh on there and that's kind of and I I back in the day I actually logged all of my aim conversations um oh. so I actually I still have those files those are just html files of our very first conversations and like just thinking about that is something that is a possibility nowadays that like the first time I had a conversation with my wife is recorded to an HTML file. Um, it's just fascinating because, you know, 25 years ago, that would be unthinkable. Maybe even 20 years ago, that would be unthinkable. Um, so yeah. anyway, yeah, I was definitely team aim <laughs> in that sense. Well, again, you just dis- you <laughs> score one for team name. But, you know, Kevin, you just described uh, possibly the greatest, you know, usage of social media that anybody can hope to to gain. Um, I, I met my fiance through a social media dating app as well. And uh, let's not discount the fact that, like, you know, for all that we're maybe criticizing social media for these days, it has provided wonderful benefits to our lives as well. So thank you for sharing that example. The other thing too that came up um, is Jordan was sharing about, uh, you know, just turning off the notifications. Uh, I did that as well at one point with Facebook, I believe, turned off the notifications. But then what I found myself doing was, well, now I'm just checking the app more like manually. Like now I'm like Mm. opening the, I'm I'm like seeking out the app more because I'm not getting notifications. So I'm like, okay, let me go see if there is a notification that I'm not being notified of. So then that led me to, and this could potentially be a tip for others. Um, that led me to deleting the app for my phone. So it's like, okay, if turning off the notification isn't really satisfying me, let's delete the app and then see what that does. And then I found myself finding a computer. <laughs> so it wasn't with me on the phone, but then I was like going on the computer and like uh, using a, a web browser to go to Facebook. So I eventually um, in January of 20 deleted my Facebook account um, for a, a number of reasons, you know, and I, I, looking back on it, it's like, wow, what timing before the pandemic and before the election here in the United States uh, in 2020, just to, to not have to witness all of the nonsense, all of the falsehoods, the non-truths that people would share on Facebook. Um, I just didn't want to participate in that, but I got really lucky because it, you know, obviously who could have foreseen what 2020 was. And, you know, I did that in January. Um, so anyway, just something else that maybe, you know, maybe other people would want to consider is, you know, it, it's, it's okay to get rid of these platforms. You know, I'm just as connected with my, my friends 
and uh, I guess to borrow a wrestling term, my inner circle, I I'm just as connected with them after Facebook as I was before, you know, there's Skype that I can reach out to people with. There's um, you know, there's still Twitter. I do have Instagram, um, but I, I don't post on it. I just use it as a following tool to kind of keep up with people. Um, and I know that's the same company as Facebook's, but um, for some reason, deleting Facebook for me felt really right. So I just invite others to maybe um, ask that of themselves, you know, starting and you can start off in an innocent way. Like it doesn't harm you to turn off the notifications and see kind of where that leads you. Cause, cause that's the path I went on. It's just kind of being curious about these things because none of it has to be a commitment. It's just, it's, it's about for me anyway, it was be curious about it and just see kind of how it makes you feel and like what your relationship with it is after you've made that choice. So hopefully that could help someone. Thanks for sharing, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. And, and curiosity is an incredible posture in life because if we can just simply become more curious, that allows us to be more open-minded to change. Mm. Let's go up next to Hansi. Hansi, welcome to the wellness policy. What's up, man? Uh, First of all, good show as always. Um, yeah, so my relationship with social media started as like the mid '90s, and I was told by one of my family friends I didn't know what the internet was, and he's like, "Yeah, this thing's gonna be like this big thing. Like, you're gonna be able to stream movies, whatever." And I expected all this to happen in like within like the fucking month that I got the internet in '95. So I was like, "I can't watch." So I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be able to watch in your house because I can't afford it, whatever, and all that." And then. All of a sudden, like I, I was surprised that I couldn't. So wrestling was like one of the first things that I was on with the with the internet. Like you know what I mean. So like I've been like on internet chats for like a lot of times in the '90s with ICQ. ICQ was a big one, whatever. Right, that was like the first time something happened on ICQ that affected me at school because a lot of people we we all got into an argument and it was like the first time I saw it, it was like it's actually a precursor to what like people go through, whatever, like now, whatever. So I thought that like, uh, I thought like, like, you know, this thing was good. Like I had to take a break from it because I didn't uh, know. I I came back to it because I was on the Stern show for a bit. And that's kind of where I was kind of upping my name with my space. But with the, with the wrestling uh, wise, I, 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 I look back on it now and people always go, Oh, what if the, uh, what if the attitude era has social media? I was like, dude, the attitude era has social media. And it was really toxic because I used to be like a wrestling reporter, like not an official reporter, but I used to like, like, like write like articles on sites and all this kind of stuff. And like, and I wouldn't be looking at news, whatever. Right. I'll be, I'll be thinking in my head, what do I want to see happen? And I'll just pretend like, Oh, this is a rumor to be happening. And it pissed off a lot of internet fans a, a lot where they started writing articles about my identity and they're like i finally found out who this imran khan is and then they put a picture of adolf hitler and then you know what i mean and then they bombarded my uh they bombarded my uh email by signing me up to all these soccer lists where i was getting like uh, uh, thousands of email thousands of emails um a, a day whatever and all that you know what i mean so like i, I was there and it's, it's actually hilarious when i i don't know if you used this way before but irc I used to go there on the wrestling site and I didn't know anything about like all the hardcore internet stuff. Right. So I was just there talking about WWE and then 
uh, I asked, oh yeah, who's Chris Jericho? Because Chris Jericho was announced to be coming on and doing a Q&A on IRC. And all of a sudden, all these people started fucking hitting, uh, hating on me and going, oh, go back to WWE, you mark. You don't know who Jericho is? How dare you? Go watch Bastion Booger and all that, all, all, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, all right, man. But the first time that I saw that it really kind of affected kind of the real world was a site that I was on. It was like a, it was like a parody site where every, it wasn't like, a confirmed alt-right type site because that didn't exist back then like the, the labels and all that but what happened was they would have an association with opie and anthony's show and uh one of the guys like and and they would write like they would do edgy jokes and then when the rock was on opie and anthony's show uh he he goes he he talked then the, when the opie and anthony go oh uh, my, our intern sick sick boy wants to talk wants to ask you a question and then rock goes are you sick boy from this website right here? And I, I was so shocked that Rock was mentioning a website that I was on. He's like, yeah, I, I don't really appreciate this website. Uh, you guys are making jokes about me, Mark Henry, and Jacqueline being apes and all that kind of stuff. He goes, I don't, I don't really actually appreciate that. And he goes, I, actually, I don't want to do this interview anymore. And he kind of walked out. And, I, and then that's when I noticed the internet turned on the Rock. Uh, for a little bit in 2000, whatever, and all that. But uh, yeah, look, I, I mean, I got one more. I did add, but I'll let you guys react to that for a minute. You know what I mean? I don't want to take the whole whole conversation, or whatever. Well, first, I want to say Bastion Booger was fucking awesome. Uh, but Hansi, you bring up a, a, a really good subject within this uh, larger conversation that Wei and I haven't touched on. And really, the social dilemma didn't touch on either of social media. Uh, uh, you know, creating a, a, a bully culture, but more from a place of anonymity. Uh, and, and look, I, I think with all this technology, it's humans using it. So much of this has been the case prior to the technology. Like, it's just that when there might be a, a metaphorical top eight in high school, within uh, the, the cafeteria at lunchtime, and then bullying behavior in the same cafeteria at lunchtime, like social media has just amplified it and, and made it global and has taken it from out of school and back into the home, especially for children, um, but for people of all ages. Um, so I, I think it was an important point for you to, to, to mention in this larger conversation just around the culture. And obviously, uh, as, as we are engaged in the pro wrestling Internet culture, uh, that is a hallmark of it. Uh, type of bullying engagement. Um, Way, I'm curious on your thoughts, but also Hansi, I'm curious uh, if if he ever engaged in an EFED. Well, um, I never. I, I I used to. The thing is, I I didn't because I, I was never a, a big reader, right? And then thing is, it's like I need to see the action, so I never understood. Like, my creative energy was never that well where I could write down a creative thing on the EFED because I just I go, what's the point of the EFED? When I'm not seeing, I, I want to see this in action rather than just me writing something down. Like, how do we like engage with that? But the thing is, with with, with social media, like, I think like uh, like someone said in the chat room, I forget who said it, but someone said I have a unique perspective on it because of the abuse from being on like you know a, a show that is like heavily you know revolved around bullying on some on some level, whatever. And that's when like like think it's like it was like a love hate thing because. Like there are people that were like, oh my God, Hansi is great on this Howard Stern show. Like he's, he tells it like it is, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, you get messages of like you being a terrorist and like, you know, uh, you know, anything that like you go, if you're anti-imperialist, 
you're bombarded with like, you know, people who are like super pro-American exceptionalism. And that's what kind of the audience that wrestling and Stern show kind of, uh, you know, had in some way, whether Howard wants to admit that he kind of adds to it, but he doesn't want to ever admit that. And uh, that's whatever. But the, the, the thing is, is like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's weird because like, like there's a lot of people who um, try to like get you like, and this is why this is why I've been more noticing about internet bullying, and I've been speaking out about it, is because there are people who get off on uh, going to different chat rooms or different um, streaming things, and trying to get like the person who's doing the live to like lose their mind a little bit, and it's kind of like these guys play games to make people lose their mind and all that. So sometimes I had to go to war with a lot of these guys, and because like you know you, you you're a po- you're a popular target, you're known for being mentally ill so then you know people online they they sense that you're mentally ill they can go okay well if he does anything or says anything out of pocket we can just blame his mental illness so then i go okay well if you're gonna weaponize my mental illness i'll weaponize it against all of you motherfuckers who who are trying to like get me to like harm myself constantly by spreading rumors that i'm beating up my mom or i beat up a gay couple at a like they like these people like uh took a photoshop of, of, of a big fat guy with my and it kind of looks like a little bit like me a little bit but they put like a, a photoshop of me putting like a, a gay couple like well you're supposed to assume it's a gay couple by putting a couple in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a headlock you know what i mean so like already like they're, they're trying to like set you up to like kind of lose your mind a little bit and that's why I, i've been kind of speaking out but i get kind of passionate honestly i should be logging off but the thing is with the world the world feel like it's burning i always feel like i have to keep up because every day something more insane in this world is breaking and i feel like we're at a fucking point now where like everything is like just like with everything we're, we're, we're divided by everything on every every level and it's just amazing then the 90s i saw this and i didn't even put it together you know what i mean but have I'll, you I'll tried Han- have you tried hansi I, I I do I do I do take like 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 more breaks and I do more journaling, but then like I realize that like even in my like you know because a lot of these guys claim to be hackers that fuck with my computer, so they'll move my keyboard around when I'm writing in my journal, so it kind of affects me outside. But but then I have to, but, but then but, but but I'm so smart about it that when I'm writing my journal, I'm writing it like people are monitoring me. And I'm cussing, I'm cussing people out, like, fuck you for listening to me, fuck you for monitoring me, and all that. That's why I have to uh, keep um, a record of stuff that's going on with me, because I feel like they're trying to, like, the, the employed trolls, in my personal opinion, are trying to, like, basically, like, what? just call, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Well, I mean, if, if, if you have concerns about that, I mean, why not just step away from the computer and, like, journal with a pen and paper? Well, I used to journal dependent paper, but then I can't read my writing afterwards. So I just thought writing it on paper. What I'm getting all- at is Hansi. I mean, it, it definitely sounds <laughs> like time on the computer is 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 not the healthiest from what yeah, you're describing you know, you- to me. Especially when you're engaging with communities that you know are preying upon uh, any sort of vulnerability that you clearly like that they cl- think you have. So um, you you know, not that they they should take anybody away from something that they actually enjoy. But I mean, you know, to me, it would be taking away their influence over me by simply disengaging. But you know, maybe it's easier said than done. I'm not in your position. No, 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 no. You did not say the way. You're 100 right in what you're saying, and it is easier said than done. But here's the thing: I also, 
I like even though there's a lot of negative, there's also a lot of po- there's also positive where like you know being on the internet, like, I I get to talk to you guys, like you know what I mean? Like I feel like since you guys have gone live or do these more interactive shows, these keep me off the troubling like like the troubling ones because at least we're having a healthy discourse. We're also just talking and shooting the shit all the time, even before like your the the the, the shows that you guys do, like the pre shows are always my favorite part of kind of the shows as well because we get to talk about certain things. So I feel like depending on what community you're a part of and who you're hanging out with more, that's why I, I don't try to over assert myself into this community like like by being on discord and being on uh the, the the cafe because i just feel like the more that, that like a lot of these guys in your community might interact with me i don't I, I feel my welcome wears out because i feel like i i become kind of uh, uh I, I i start venting men- about mentally about, about going off on on my tangents about mentally ill stuff so i try to like like keep it peaceful with everybody on some level and try to like, you know, just try to like, you know, uh, find the good outlets to hang out with rather than just, you know, but hey, listen, I know other call, other callers. So all of you guys finished the thoughts off. Um, I didn't want to take too much of your time. So I apologize to the rest of the callers who are waiting. I, you know what I mean? With the call, but this is like a really good subject. So thank you guys for doing this show. I always appreciate these shows, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Hansi. Thank you, thank you Hansi. Um, yeah, any thoughts, Jordan? Yeah, being judicious, being mindful, curating your social experience. You know, uh, one of the reasons why I have always been attracted to to the content and the community that that you and John have cultivated over the past many years is that it allows for a more intelligent and humanist and uh, emotionally uh, mature uh, conversation and exploration around the culture uh, of pro wrestling and beyond. Um, there are plenty of other wrestling communities and podcasts that go for the low hanging fruit and lean more into uh, bullying behavior, et cetera, et cetera. Those are just not interesting to me. So I think it really comes down to us asking what feels good to us? What feels healthy for us? And uh, being mindful about like when and with whom we're engaging on the internet. Thank you for being patient, everybody in the Zoom room. Let's go up next to Brandon from New Jersey. Brandon, are you there? I am here. What's up, guys? Uh-oh. What's going on? <laughs> it's the man himself. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm an MSN chat guy myself. Uh, yes. Had a lot of fun. Had a lot, had a lot of good experiences. I had a lot of good experiences in the in those chats. Uh, as I said in the chat in the ch- in the group chat, uh, MSN chat crawled so Tinder could run. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> but, uh, so wait, I mean, there there weren't sc- sorry sorry Brandon. It was you said it was like a number ID way like they weren't. No, that was ICQ. Names? That was ICQ. MSN had, had uh, actual screen names. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I just I can't, I can't imagine what what Brandon from New Jersey was like. What how, what would you? Because that was before like you could send gifs. So what would you actually even send, Brandon? Ah, oh, no, I was just introducing ASL. <laughs> ASL, right? <laughs> what? How long have you been using the handle Brandon FRMNJ? Uh, two thousand eight. <laughs> okay, so what was what was prior? 
Uh, it was my uh, my government name. <laughs> and uh, it didn't really pop off. But uh, I think uh, when uh, I started uh, calling in more to uh, Shirt On Radio and, and started leaning into my uh, my bit, it started to uh, bit. Cat, catch a following. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, no, I, I mean, social media, I... I I guess people have different experiences. I guess, like you were talking about, like where you said you you've delete you've like gone off the grid on following people and whatnot, and and just like I guess you get a peace of mind out of it. I mean, for me, I've tried it. I mean, and it and it, it feels like I mean it, it's cool and whatnot, but then you feel like you're out of the mix with things and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know how you guys. I mean, you're you're you're. Uh, in the business and whatnot, both of you uh, to an extent, but uh, I don't know. I, I, well, I, let, let me clarify, like, because I'm not necessarily. I, I understand what you're saying, uh, Brandon, I, I, but I, you know, I still use Twitter. I still use it. Like, like I said, um, I've, I follow topics and I follow lists now, just simply based off of the the you know the conversations I still want to be engaged in. Obviously, in my line of work, you have to be somewhat engaged with what's going on. So I still managed to do that. What I do aim to do is like just take some of the personality and some of the ego out of it. And to me, like part of facilitating that is taking, making sure that I'm not using my Twitter as, you know, like my top eight from MySpace. Like I'm simply there for information. And, and, and that's just kind of, you know, what, again, being mindful of, of why I'm using it. And I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm starting to just follow it for for information like i don't I, like i i i Eric made the joke i have like two hundred fifty thousand stupid things i've i've posted on there and whatnot <laughs> and gifts and and i i mean i guess we i have a weird personality and whatnot and some people get i think it, you're a great people. follow brandon i'll, I'll right. secretly follow you i appreciate well your burner account uh, but no in all seriousness like it, i it, it can be toxic and whatnot especially facebook i don't, I don't I don't post anything on Facebook. Like, uh, like I'll be on Messenger. That's it. But, like, like Facebook is like super. Like, especially like five years ago. Like for the last five years, it's like super toxic with with the government and whatnot and, and what's going on in the world. But uh, yeah, I, I I like using it for information and whatnot. But sometimes too much, so much too much information is. I mean, if too, so much information is too much, you get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it could be overload. Like. Well, I think uh, older generations often talk about like the world is just moving too fast now. And you said earlier, Brandon, that it's hard to stay off it because then you feel like you're missing out what's going on in the world. But like the Internet and social media gives us access to like awareness about everything. And that can be incredibly overwhelming. So. I, even for me, like when this pandemic started and, and you know, cable news especially follows uh, a, a lot of the same strategies because, again, it's a game for attention and it's very uh, tribal as social media algorithms have created as well with polarization in our cultures and society. But for me, I realized within a few weeks of this pandemic starting, like I was just glued to the TV looking for more information and more information. And essentially, they a lot of it was just saying the same stuff in like different voices and personalities. But I realized like I needed to be highly specific in what was my curated experience going to be 
day to day to get the amount of information that I thought I needed to feel safe enough and informed enough, uh, both at a local, uh, uh, just a national and, and global level. And really for me, I, I, it was a handful of Twitter follows that I felt like I can spend 10 to 20 minutes today and get everything that I need to know as it related to the, this, this pandemic. Um, but again, like, and that significantly changed my mental health from day to day and also the amount of time I was uh, essentially giving away to, to, to news and, and, and such. Um, but it's overwhelming because everything is in our phone now. So again, it comes back to the self-awareness of like what is actually important to us versus what feels important because of social pressure or uh, the, the, the illusion and the trappings or, or habit. Yeah, but again, I mean, it's if you're a Facebook designer, like it is your job to make things feel important to the consumer, to capture their attention, and and so these are the things we have to contend with. Um, but I definitely notice that in different generations, when I talk to older people, especially those that don't spend as much time, they 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 just a, a big part of their commentary is it just seems like everything is moving faster than it used to. Uh, that's all, that's all I got. Uh, I, I appreciate this topic, and uh, <laughs> I, that's all I got. Well, I I'm appreciate sorry. your online presence uh, always, Brandon. Uh, I love you guys. You, I love you. You, guys. you thank you, thank you, Brandon. I will not say. Love that. you too, Brandon. You, Brandon, and I are very similar in in some ways in which we operate on uh, in social media. Uh, in absurdist humor, uh, I definitely identify. See, I think uh, you're one Brandon from New Jersey. Well, I think Jordan, you do it because it is uh, somewhat of a performance. I think with Brandon, I think that's him. I think that's actually who he is. I think he he he's not a gimmick. He lives he lives it. It's just him, you know. Mm-hmm. All nah, right, let's go. I, look, per, uh, go ahead. Let's let's move on. Well, Maddie B, do you have any thoughts on this? I'd like to ask you. Speaking of characters, yeah, if he's around, how's it going, guys? Hey, man, Maddie B. Hi, uh, Wade, Jordan. How are you? Doing very well. On this nice lovely Thursday afternoon. Yeah, you as well. You as well. Um, what's so, up yeah, with the so- with the Rock? Well, yo, what, Maddie, what's what's up with the Rock being your your profile picture here on? I don't know. I just like I, I just like the eyebrow. So I don't know. I think it's just cool. I don't know. That's yeah. You just like random, the eyebrow. But- <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, sorry, when I start, like his face in that picture, I'm just like, ah, you know, I just, I don't know. I picked it one day. I'm like, I'll, I'll stick with it. He is, you know, sense of, sense of, about him, you know, the coolness. Signature so, eyebrow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, arguably the, the about, most famous eyebrow in, in, uh, I don't know, uh, society today. True. Yeah. No, it's very true. I, like, just the coolness of, of just him and the aura of him. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay, you, know, you see the rock, you see Maddie B. Boom. There you go. Can you do the eyebrow, Maddie? Uh, yeah, I can do a little bit of it, but I don't think it's uh, not the not, well, obviously not not as close as, as what the Rock can do. So it's it's it, it, no point even trying. Uh, might be worth including on the dating profile. You never know. I actually never know. That's uh, actually, uh, that, that, that is a good point, Jordan. Uh, What's so up, anyway, are are you uh, here? So to, yeah. Are you here to talk about your dating profile, Maddie B? <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, it's, 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 you know, not exciting the beginning, but no, it's. it's it's to kind of you kind of love it off a bit. Plus, I'm moving soon, so it's kind of I'm kind of taking it easy on that until I kind of 
get get to Nova Scotia, and then I, and then then I'll I'll restart again. So I'm kind of you know, I'm I'm just uh, leveling off for a bit now. So okay, um, right. keep us up. But uh, yeah, no, for sure, oh, for sure. Well, yes. Um, anyway, so yeah, about like so, I'm huge on like, probably Twitter is probably my main social media uh, uh, usage of. Um, just cause you know, like I, I'm a big sports fan. So most of the breaking news is on there. So, you know, I was like, you know, getting vacations of like the major, you know, NBA people and, uh, and age Wojnarowski, you know, NFL Adam Sheffield kind of thing where it's like, Oh, you know, this happened, this happened. Like, Oh, and, you know, then I'm like, you know, I, I try to keep, keep up with that. Right. And other, other big topics or whatnot. Um, and then I just going to find my second one, I mean, you know, I don't use that as often. Um, so, I mean, like I, I love social media, but at the same time, when the uh, problem is with me is like i'll just you know i'll be doing something and then you know i'll take a little break whatever and then i'll, I'll go on and next thing you know it's like an hour an hour later i'm like i'm scrolling through just random stuff and on both twitter and instagram like and then i'm thinking like what the fuck did i do just for like an hour like i like i i made like no progress of what's or anything pretty much just like it was like a a, a dead zone for an hour for me because like you know suddenly like, you know, I'll, I'll look at something like oh this is cool and then i see you know it's like Oh, I saw this, and now I you know I'll scroll up for updates, or or I'll you know look at the, someone's feed, or you know Instagram, you know like I'll, I'll look at their stories. Next, you know it's like it it it's it's like it's fine when um like for me you know when I'm looking to you know to actually engage with something and whatnot and looking for like a particular reason, but when I'm just on there for just for the hell of it and like I'm um and I'm going through it and it's like just you know and I'm gonna say out of boredom, but just kind of like going through and then you know i kind of lose track of what's going on what happens very easily in the social media age and then it kind of like and then i just get stuck and then i'm like oh the time passed by i'm like oh i could have been doing you know some productive for you know an hour or whatever however long it is and then i know i'm stuck doing this right so like there's pros but there also is is cons as well right so it's 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 amazing how much like how universal that feeling is for all of us um, like when you really, and you don't, none of us realize it until we step outside of ourselves and see other people do it or hear other people talk about it. But we are exactly like, you know, like a cat being distracted by like a toy. Like it works so effectively on all of us, you know, when we just like, they present this curated feed tailored exactly to our interests and we just kind of like lose ourselves in order. It, it, it's, it takes, a, you know, it, it would take a lot of, I think, conscious effort to be able to combat that sort of like, incredible programming well i totally agree with that like even like well like for sure because you know like uh i love engaging on you know like a brand brand twitter feed is amazing you know i i the past like i guess six seven months since i've since i've, I've met him on discord or whatnot it's 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 pretty amazing but then you know uh there's also you know with some certain certain stuff where you know uh just kind of random people like you know certain like oh this, this some tweeted this about this i'm like okay and then i'm like oh, and then i'm like well because it, it does you right way it, it creates to you know to, to, to your interest and next thing you know like you're you're uh looking at someone's feed that you don't follow right and it's like oh and then, then you're dragging oh no this happened and then you see their conversation and it's like and then yeah then it, 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 yeah the way they somehow i wouldn't say brainwash but like somehow they work your mind into just like getting you in instagram right you know certain talk certain you know who you follow or certain you know things you look at right and then you know, and then you, you see that and you're like, oh, okay. And then just kind of, it, it sucks you in. And then you almost like, you, you know, it, it takes you a bit to realize, oh, wait, then you can't, you almost like snap out of it. It's like, it's like hypnotism and you snap out of it. You're like, okay, wait, oh, oh, I'm back now. Right. Kind of thing. So. Mm -hmm. 
yeah well we honestly like we kind of do it to ourselves you know like it like every click we we make is another vote for the thing that we want to be you know we want to see more of isn't it so uh, and that's the trapping because we may gain awareness around hey this may not be the best use of my time but the data that they're collecting is only going to present to us things that are more and more appealing so that is the fight that, that, that we're contending with in that we may try to say, hey, perhaps I don't need to be spending as much of my attention here, but yet what's being presented to us becomes more and more appealing. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. It's like it's some sort of, I think, um, like acknowledgement from within yourself that, hey, I don't need everything. I don't need more of this. Like I, having some is enough. I don't need to know every single headline. I don't need to see every single cat photo. I don't need to like watch every single wrestling match that is available out there. Like just having having the acknowledgement in your mind that this is enough. I've 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 scrolled enough for the day. I'm happy. I'm satisfied, and I can leave the rest behind. Uh, but again, that takes a level of willpower, I think. Oh, yo, for sure. Because they even like once I let myself, you know, like uh, you know. When I get up, I use my phone for my, you know, to see what time it is, and like, you know, I'm doing my best, like, you know. But next, you know, like all of my time, next, oh, okay, I'll see notifications. Oh, what's this? What's this? Right? Next, you know, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I get, I get up, I'm still like in my bed for half an hour looking at stuff, right? So, you know, I'm kind of like pretty much trying to like limit that as well, and you know, it's, you know, it's a process, right? Because you know, you're used to doing certain routines, right? You're like, oh, look with them, but then once it takes a little time, so I'm kind of trying to work on that, and even like during, like during my day, I'm like, okay, you know, I put my phone away for you know, like 50 minutes or half an hour of time. Cause I mean, like sometimes in the afternoon, like, well, there's nothing much going on. So it's like, you, you, it's possible. It, it is possible to do. Um, and then just like, yeah, so stuff like that, like, and it's, like I said, social media is very engaging and it's fun, but you know, it, it, there's, it, you know, you, you have to know your limit before you kind of get sucked in too much. Right. Kind of thing. Right. So that's what I'm, I'm trying to, trying to, trying to, you know, to learn that process. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Same here. Thank you very much for the call, Maddie B. Always appreciate it. No worries guys. Appreciate it. No, always. Thank you very much. Let's go See on you, next. Bud. To Nick Romano. Thank you for waiting patiently. What's up, Nick? Well, speaking of cat photos, I don't know if either of you have seen the documentary or anyone else listening has seen the documentary Don't F with Cats on Netflix. But I that is an example of the yeah. positives of social media. Yes. That was true. Just, that was just insane. But um something Jordan said earlier really stuck out to me. And, and he mentioned going on a walk and he would come back and um think about how many notifications he had. And I think that goes to show someone like me who is in their 20s and has used social media for most of my life, how you really do kind of want to find that middle ground. I've been able to stay off social media for the most part uh, for the past eight months, which is great. It's something I didn't think I'd be able to do, uh, but I still kind of find myself thinking about it too much to the point where maybe it would be better to establish a healthy relationship where, yeah, I can go on Instagram scroll scroll through you know my page a few times but then that's it uh because while jordan talks about you know getting away from your phone sometimes when i log on instagram without being on it for a while the first thing i think is oh i probably have a million dms i probably have a million likes i probably have all these messages to go to but then when you realize you don't then that kind of just adds to the whole like fomo aspect of it uh, so I don't know if I'm making a ton of sense, but I, I, I just think that it's important to establish that middle ground. And it's hard for a lot of us when our whole lives we've you know been used to using it one way. But 
that's what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm trying to stay off it, but at the same time, get to the point where eventually I can go on it. Uh, but the screen time isn't that yeah. intense. Um, I think you make a, a ton of sense, Nick. Um, you know, I think what you're trying uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think what you're trying to get at is like just finding a, a balance between, yes. like, you know, it's like, I would say for most people, like cutting these things cold turkey, like, or at least like getting rid of your phone and, and only getting, I don't know, a, a dumb phone, I suppose. That's probably not going to be a solution for most people in our modern world, you know, like to be without a GPS, to be without uh i don't know the alarm on on the on the app to be without you know actual real useful benefits to our lives it's just not something most of us want to go go back to um so you know what is the solution i think it's it's to again recognize what is harmful for us what is good for us and trying to you know have a healthy amount of both one tactic thank you nick you one tactic that actually was helpful and incredibly effective for me uh, on Instagram, I'm very selective in who I follow on Instagram and Instagram specifically because I enjoy spending uh, much of my time on that particular platform. Now, I have some other Instagram accounts, so I'll follow way more people on these other accounts, but I've noticed that I hardly ever go to that account. So if I'm just pulling up my personal Instagram, I'm not going to get sucked into uh this, uh, like a lot of time looking through the timeline because there may only be like one to three new pictures posted because I'm following such a limited amount of people. And I probably would have kept scrolling on the hundreds and hundreds of other people I would have otherwise followed, but by simply still feeling like I can follow them, but from a different account that actually made me just significantly less interested in actually taking the few extra steps to see their content. Mm-hmm. Limiting the um, the infinite scroll, the infinite scroll. I mean, I honestly, it still feels like it's a relatively new invention. Because I mean, when we were on MySpace or like you know Asian Avenue or, or or whatever, like you had to go through pages. I'm a I'm a big Reddit user, and like Reddit used to be like you have to go through like you know page by page. And it was only a few years ago when they introduced new Reddit that had endless scrolling, and I just found myself like hating it. Because I would have no ability to stop. Facebook was the same. It used to be like, you know, you stop at a certain point and then you have to load the second page. With infinite scrolling, it's just like it never ends. So much so that like I've actually gone. Thankfully, they allow you to use old Reddit. You just go to like old.reddit.com and you can actually use the old version of Reddit. And it's just like I actually have like a limit of like how much I have to, I, I, how many headlines I have to read through before I, you know, I just tell myself, hey, I'm done. So bring back the. Get rid of the infinite scroll, please. Although it's probably never happening soon. Let's go to uh, um, our man, Neil. Thank you for making the time for us, Neil. What's going on? Not at all. Hello, guys. Hi, Neil. Hey, Jordan. Um, Best wishes to your brother. I don't know him personally, of course, but uh, I feel like I do from from some of your other podcasting work in the past with uh, Chocolate Croissants and stuff. So um, very pleased for him and uh, happy travels to Las Vegas. And way I'm very glad Thanks, that you're welcome. I'm very glad way that uh, nearly 24 hours um, on from your shot, you seem to be one of the lucky ones with no ill effects. So that's great. Thank uh, you. But I will be quick because I think I'm the last one up. Um, and it's just to say that there was some chat about uh, awareness in general and journaling 
specifically. And I feel like social media and in fact, just time online in general uh, is something that it's just good to be aware of in general. And what I would liken it to is that if people have a difficult relationship with food, one of the things that is often uh, recommended is to keep a diary, keep a food diary, you know, so that you're, you're very consciously aware of what you're consuming and when. And that is a very simple thing to do with social media um, because all you really need to do is the diary's already there. Visit your own profile. Um, and if there are maybe too many tweets, you may be spending too much time on there. If there's, you know, and the same goes for any other uh, social media platform. And also the um, screen time function on iPhones, or the I think it's called Digital Wellness, which is a pretty cool name on Android phones, will tell you, you know, how long you've been on your phone and when. And if you turn that off, as a lot of people do, um, you know, it's, well, all I would say is, is turn it on for a few days and uh, don't avoid, uh, don't engage in avoidance, you know, have a little look at that. Uh, I've done it and realised, Jesus, Neil, you know, you were on the phone for X number of hours the other day. That's, that, that is time that could have been used way more productively. Um, and that's all I, I think I've we got, all yeah. feel that way, honestly, when we all look at our own, it's um, it's it's almost shameful to to think about how much time we we might spend. Yeah. Oh, oh and just one little tip, um, if if I may, with Twitter, um, there's a feature on there that a lot of people don't use called lists, and there are publicly available lists that you can just sign up to, uh, or you can go to the bother, and I think it's really worth it of curating your own, so you don't necessarily have to follow the people that you place on this list. And you can call it, I've got one, which is basically all of the people involved with Post, all the hosts um, and some of the more prominent uh, fans, people I've met through it, other, you know, with other listeners. Oh, I, lo- I love it if you would share that list, Neil. That'd be great. Yeah, well, absolutely glad to. And um, so that's a, I mean, it's, it's a real time saver because these are all people I'm interested in seeing what they're saying. So you can pop into that and then get out of Twitter in five minutes and you're done. Um, and you can do the same for like local traffic information, news sources that you're interested in, things like that. Um, but that's it. Thanks very much for uh, taking my call. Thank you, Neil. Some some great thanks, um, Neil. Thoughts and, and great great advice as well. Um, yeah. Any any closing thoughts, Jordan, about the topic? Uh, is someone singing in the background way? Yes, I, I wasn't sure if you could hear that. This, this, my neighbors, they're having uh, some celebration. It's every day. Amazing. My, it's unfortunate. Like my recording station is like, it shares basically a wall with my next door neighbors. And um, this happens to be the time of day where they sing. Well, it could be a much less pleasant noise, we could say. It could be the sound of a pro wrestling podcast in the evening, which is what they have to deal with. So. It's, it's it, it, it works both ways. That's cool. Um, yeah. What do I have to say? Look, it's, 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 I think validating to hear uh, so many people having a similar experience, you know, we're, we're all kind of going through this. I've seen some people in the, in the chat also just talking about um, like, it's similar to uh, like coming out of a drug binge is the language in here. And like, that's kind of the point. You know, the, the, these technologists are uh, perhaps hijacking our 
biosocial, uh, so psychosocial, like uh, I know circuitry. The throwing, I know the thing's throwing you off, Jordan. I'm going to try to <laughs> throw oh, good, my, down my mic. Um, this is an addiction. Now, for some people, it is like an actual textbook uh, addiction, but it's preying upon these uh, certain aspects of who we are as human beings. And again, at least for me, the thing that I walk away this conversation with is a further conviction in my own uh, development of mindfulness, my own development of self-love, and my own curation of social experience and digital experience. But again, like it all comes down to awareness, becoming aware and ultimately becoming responsible for how we choose to use and relate to and engage with uh, these technologies. Yeah. Um, you know, I really love Neil's example of like kind of comparing food with, you know, our use of social media. And just as, you know, you can be somebody who maybe just eats or you can count your calories. But, you know, like I'm somebody who doesn't count calories. Thankfully, I, I, I haven't had a position where I needed to. But like... um I think it's important to be aware, at least, of, you know, if you're not feeling well or, or if, you know, of what you're actually putting into your system. And I think that goes the same for social media usage as well. And really anything that we do. I mean, all, what we're talking about right now is our usage of time. And if there's any sort of negative benefit, it's the fact that it feels like so much of our time is being robbed. Or worse yet, you know, these further issues that the documentary might talk about, like, um, manipulated political, like, um, div divisiveness or, um, uh, I don't know, um, self-esteem issues or things like that. So uh, as you said, Jordan, I think becoming aware of how you are feeling after doing the activity that you're doing is very important um, so that we know how to use it to our advantage. What is coming up next month? On the wellness Policy? Next month. Waiting. Uh, I have this book here. I've owned it for probably 10 years. I never read it. Uh, it is called Play. Uh, we're going to read a book again for the month of July. Uh, the book is called Play, How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, and, and Invigorates the Soul. It is authored by Stuart Brown, who is an MD, uh, with Christopher Vaughn. Not sure who Christopher is, uh, but looking forward to that. Um, we, we talked about this over the past couple of days, you and I, Wei, in deciding what we wanted to explore over the next month. And uh, look, for me, I essentially have... Uh, spent the past 10 plus years uh, offering a service in which I'm helping people of all ages and abilities uh, learn to play more effectively and well uh, with one another. And I don't do that because like, it's just fun to do. I, I do it because there's inherent wisdom and opportunities for growth and connection within that. So I'm interested in like, getting a, a further sense, uh, both in like theory and, uh, in science and, and so on about, uh, play, what that means, how we can describe it and, and how we can play more effectively, especially as adults. I have not read the book. I have not, um, you know, this is a Jordan's recommendation, but I mean, we initially, this kind of came about because you wanted to see if there's some way that we can work maybe my my appreciation for Lego into a topic and, you know, this, like, I think a podcast just about Lego. Um, I mean, maybe that's, that's for later down the road, but 
um i wanted to maybe broaden it to you know something that was maybe a bit more fitting of um universal i suppose and and i'm I'm curious to see what the book says about like the importance of essentially having fun and and you know finding joy in the activity that you're doing so uh if you are looking for a link of it we will uh put it in the show description as well as uh any other interesting show notes uh you can find by looking at the wherever you're downloading this podcast Alrighty. Anything else, Jordan? I'm terrible at these closes. Why don't you take it take it away? Hmm. Uh I would like to say please be kind to yourself on the, the other podcast that I'll, I'll come in and out of doing. Uh that is the, the way I end every episode. Um, but especially related to this topic today, um, like being really kind to ourselves is incredibly useful. Um if you're kind of like now wrestling with uh this conversation and this idea of asking yourself, how can I perhaps improve my relationship to social media? Um, like you are going to fuck up and you're going to try things and it won't work or you'll stick to something for a couple of days and then you'll kind of slip. Uh, be kind to yourself. Uh, often we're our own worst critic and we're most judgmental to ourselves. Uh, and I have found that uh, showing myself more Grace and kindness and love uh, has dramatically improved my life experience. Wonderful words. Thank you, Jordan. At Jordan Beatwell, I uh, hope you have a great time in Las Vegas officiating your, your brother's wedding. Um, look yes, I'm excited. Will there be I'm try- I want to officiate your wedding, Way. You know, unfortunately, I don't know what, what uh, restrictions will be like uh, whenever it happens at this point. So, uh, you know, we would love it. Unfortunately, we did already commit to somebody else. So um, hopefully I won't have to go through a wedding again. But um, <laughs> if I do, I'll, I, I'm sure I'll let you know. Uh, well, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that are looking for your services either way. Looking at you, Maddie B. All right, everybody, follow him at Jordan Beatwell. You can keep up with the wellness policy through Discord, postwrestling.com slash Discord in the wellness policy channel. Uh, or if you're a patron, forum.postwrestling.com. We have a thread available in the feedback section for any questions or comments about the show. If you enjoyed the show, if you have any thoughts about the topic, leave a comment in YouTube or wherever else you want to reach us. I am at Way0937. You can follow me. I likely won't follow you, but that doesn't mean I won't pay attention to what you have to say. So thank you, everybody. Till next time. Be kind to yourself.